0: Thank you everyone and welcome to another episode of Coding Talks with myself, Vishnu Viji. Coding Talks is a podcast which features a wide range of technology topics. And myself, I am a .NET programmer from Tiruvannamalai, Kerala state, uh, working with different cloud technologies like Microsoft Azure, AWS and GCP. I am a Community Builder for Amazon Web Services Storage. In addition to this podcast, there will be a YouTube channel which is as of the same name as of this podcast. You can check my YouTube channel for more details and also the recordings of the past sessions, live sessions will be available there. There is a meetup group also which I am conducting that is coding talks cloud computing which is available on meetup.org you can search that group and register it's for free and the advantage of registering in that group is that if you are interested in learning from me you will be get notified about the latest sessions and all. And all the past sessions that i taken there are available on my YouTube channel. You can also listen the podcast. There are a lot of other podcasts as well. Last two weeks we were discussing about the microservices. So I thought to break a bit uh, and in today's episode we can focus on understanding the Linux operating system. So that every developer especially new developers who are new to programming and also new to linux environment will get a flavor and understanding so that they will get a familiarity on working with linux back in 2006 when i started my programming journey there is a distinction that programmer can choose between learning linux or windows but nowadays because of the advent of cloud computing era many organizations prefer to have a Linux environment especially for their server setting it's must to have some knowledge about Linux at least a basic understanding of the basic commands Otherwise, it will be difficult in this era because Linux and Windows, there is no distinction at all. That is what I understood. And most of the servers are hosted in Linux platforms. And the light and the security aspects of Linux prompt every organization to go with Linux, especially for server-side systems. And that's the reason why I thought everyone should have a familiarity and through this episode I plan to cover some of the understandings that I have about Linux and hope that will be helpful for others as well. All the opinions that I covered through this podcast are purely personal and do not represent any of the employer's view in any way. I... Kindly suggest everyone to listen this episode with an earphone or headset so that you will get the best experience out of this. Once again, thank you for listening. Keep listening. There will be more episodes coming. Related to microservices, there are some more sessions I am planning which features on the advanced concepts of microservices and also the micro front ends as well. So stay tuned with this podcast. With that, we can start today's session. As I mentioned earlier, we will be discussing on Linux operating system and how to start working with the Linux operating system. I will start with an sh- sharing of my experience. How I get started with Linux? It was back in two thousand six. I remember I had a friend who uh, is very interested with Linux during that time so we had a desktop computer it was made of AMD Athlone, uh, AMD Athlone XP 2400 and Windows was the primary OS we used those days and in between one of my friends suggested that he had a operating system called Linux I visited his house and I saw that Linux operating system and it's it's a distribution of Red Hat Linux and usually uh, three CDs were required to install that operating system during that time. Internet was not that much popular as of now there were there was internet but not that much popular and only some houses will have the uh, had the uh, broadband connections and all so 3ds were, cds were the primary resort for us to install windows uh, sorry linux operating system and we also in Tiruvannamalai we also had a open source community that time uh, one can go there and can provide the cds and they will write the cds for free i exactly not remember whether that organization i think something like a Uh, exactly not remember space or something I remember Uh, still I'm not sure whether it's there or not so if you go there and provide the CDs they will write this uh, Linux for free some some of the popular distributions during that time were only is Red Hat Linux other one I remember Mandrake Linux there is a Linux called Mandrake Linux and only after some years later i came to know about other distributions like fedora and all which were not popular that time so that time the experience of using linux was like we uh, we were really myself and my friend were really interested in the graphical user interface of linux and were very excited with that because it it has a unique different feel when compared with that of windows uh, windows xp was the operating system we were using that time and um, there was a belief that okay this Linux had some of the um, capabilities like uh, great quality in video and all because those were the things which we were interested in that time so it was a uh, interesting. It was interesting with us for watching movies and all, and listening audios. And whenever we listened some mp B three and all, uh, my friend used to say like, okay, it's very uh, different clarity listening that in Linux. So that all prompted me to install Linux in my system as well. But it was not easy that time because of the driver support and all. It 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 was really a challenge and. The uh, idea of virtualization or the concept of VMware or Oracle VirtualBox was not uh, known to us during those time. So that time for us to install the Linux, what usually happened is like we need to install Linux as a side OS on our hard disk along with Windows. Which will present a bootloader at the starting time, and we can select the operating system of our choice as we like. Sometimes, um, if by mistake, if you if you do some uh, something mistake there, then that will entirely erase the existing OS like Windows. So many times I had to reinstall Windows just for installing the Linux and sometimes it gets success sometimes it's failure and also whenever a new version of Linux comes especially uh, the Red Hat Linux during that time uh, I exactly not remember the version it was back in 2006 uh, whenever a new version comes then what happens is like we need to uh, uh, reformat that Linux partition and then install again which, is, which one needs to be very careful and, um, the commands, the usage of commands in Linux were not that much familiar to us. We usually research, resorted to the graphical interface. My friend used to work mainly on some of the commands. And whenever I visit him, uh, whenever I see, uh, saw him uh, typing some of the commands, it was very interesting. But uh, I didn't took much chance to learn all those things because we had a distinction there at that time. Like, okay, we can focus on Windows Uh, dotnet and other things that time and uh, so there was not much a requirement for learning linux at all then after especially a few years back i thought again to rethink about the linux so i installed linux and some of the great ideas i learned afterwards uh, which i will be sharing through this episode today I hope that given you a bit of the background of about how I got interested with the Linux. So now in this today's world, like uh, this is uh, October 31st, 2022. And it's now night here in Thiruvananthapuram. And during this time, Linux has evolved very much and it, it will be available on all Cloud computing platforms like Microsoft Azure, AWS, Amazon Web Services, or GCP, or even many other platforms as well. And also, there are various other distributions compared to the earlier 2006. Now, we have <coughs> two different flavors of Linux out there, like the Debian version and the Red Hat versions. If you further research, you can underneath see a lot of other uh, evolutions as well. But basically two versions are popular as of now. That is the Debian version and the Red Hat version. So it's like two branches of a tree. So if you compare Linux to a tree, two branches, main branches are there like debian and red hat and from those two branches other versions of or other distributions of linux has evolved so let's take the uh, debian version first Uh, what i could understand is debian is mostly focused on open source and for the general usage so it has a strong open source presence and many like to use Debian so from the Debian there evolved different versions or distributions of Linux Uh, it would be better to call as distributions because Linux is open source so anyone can modify the operating system as they like provided if they know how to uh, build and compile and distribute that version so the source code is generally publicly available Linus Torvalds has made the linux and uh, he's still using linux uh, uh, he uses a version of linux called fedora which is installed in almost all his machines but the because the open source of linux was there many uh, took it and then recombiled it and changed it recombiled it and distributed in different flavors so out of that two versions are popular like the debian that is what we call two branches debian and Red hats from the debian there evolved other forms of linux and one of the most popular distribution out there is ubuntu hope you know that because many ubuntu became very popular and many um I saw uh, many friends how recently they have installed the Ubuntu. But Ubuntu is a common word because that company, uh, I, I think Canonical or something, they extensively invested in uh, Ubuntu and it became uh, much popular. So, the idea of Ubuntu is like, uh, it, it must be like uh, useful to the end-users and also it's more or less like a home operating system so they have included all the proprietary softwares and all so that anyone can play most of the video and audio uh, codecs properly there Uh, and that made it more popular for the general public also installations and the usage is uh, somewhat like the windows it's most tailored for user experience so that is one version, Ubuntu. Then there is another version that is evolved from the other branch. That is the Red Hat branch is what we are going to discuss mainly in this episode. The other version is mostly focused on enterprise systems. The other ver- other branch like the Red Hat further evolved into different versions like Fedora. So Fedora is like the leading cutting edge distribution. So that is why developers and those who want to do research and those who want to get a early idea about the different releases they will be working on the Fedora operating system. Uh, this uh, founder of Linux, Linux Torvalds, also using the Fedora operating system. It's a very lightweight and it's all available for uh, from the uh Fedora official website, one can download the different version, there, there are three versions which we can view in the website, first one is the workstation Fedora and second one is server version and another one is for IOT devices. I hope there will be other for Fedora for other platforms as well but these will be the main one and the workstation will be enough for your usages. and if you want to download you could go to fedora.org and you can install the Fedora Linux download it's like uh, Fedora is very lightweight I think if you download as of now it's like uh, something like 1.5 GB or below 2 GB only whereas some of the other versions of Linux which we will be discussing now will be having a a higher size like above 6 GB and all so fedora is mostly lightweight and if you are interested in uh, installing fedora on your if you, if you want to install as in your workstation in your local workstation or your uh, pro- uh, developer laptop i would highly encourage you to install the fedora because it is lightweight and also the open source license permit you to install on a- any type of machines even if it's Inside an organization, still I believe there is no license at all. Uh, you should uh, recheck it again. Uh, from my understanding, I feel like there is sh- there is no license for installing Linux. Install an enterprise, especially this Fedora Linux. It's free. It's free for usage. Before using any distribution, it's worth to check whether it's uh, allowed to use in an enterprise setting or not. You you are free to Linux as an open source. You are free to install in any one of your uh, personal laptop or non-commercial usage. It's fine. But certain Linux like Red Hat has enterprise license. If you are using it for some evaluation purpose or some smaller projects, uh, there is no problem regarding license. But if you are using it for a larger uh, Commercial purposes, then uh, there is a license cost associated with with some of the Linux like uh, Red Hat, and that you should keep in mind. In the case of Fedora, there is no such restrictions at all, and you can freely download it. Uh, it's very lightweight and very uh, less uh, lesser size, and that help you to install it fastly, even on a low bandwidth uh, system so that is on distribution fedora but when it comes to enterprise level enterprises prefer to use either red hat or centos centos is a free version so uh, due to licensing issues most firms or organization prefer to use the centos and also it's a stable release it's like uh, the evolution of uh, the release of linux for the red hat based distributions goes like this first it will comes in fedora so that's why fedora is called the bleeding edge or latest updated system and then it will be propagated to other enterprise systems distributions like red hat from there it will be uh, selected for centos so centos release will be not that much frequent because in the sender is released, they focus primarily on the stability of the system. Usually, yeah, as you can understand, for every release of software, there will be some changes there and it should be tested. In spite of all ha- these testing and all, still there are possibilities for having some breaking changes and all, which will affect the production environment. That's the reason why SendOS prefers to be in a stable mode. So they uh, extensively test it and release only once in a while. There is another one version called the CentOS stream which is available now. So it sits in between the kind of uh, Fedora in terms of release. It sits in between like uh, the Fedora, Linux as well as the uh, SendOS. Like sendoS is not frequently distributed so if you want a Linux in between that from the Red Hat group of families then it will be worth to install the SendOS stream. The version now is I believe it's SendOS stream 9. There is a difference in each of these distributions. If you install Fedora it will have a different interface primarily focused on Genome. While if you install the Red Hat and the CentOS or CentOS Stream, it will be having a different view. This CentOS is actually focused on the uh, enterprise level system. So most of the enterprise systems, if you check the OS, either Red Hat or CentOS will be there. And also, um, the other version which we initially discussed, the Debian distribution also uh, will be used by some enterprise as well. Uh, It doesn't mean like Debian or Ubuntu is not used in any enterprise. Of course, they have their enterprise versions as well. But uh, Red Hat being the most popular distribution out there, especially when it comes to enterprise. And if you are interested in installing Red Fedora, as I mentioned, you can install that. But you can also have the provision to install the CentOS and CentOS Stream as well. Both are also freely available. Sorry. <coughs> also, the if you are interested in knowing about Red so that is the case with myself. Like I started. Uh, exploring Linux with Red Hat initially so recently when I want to learn again with Linux I in, tried to look into that Red Hat Linux website you can register a developer account for free and you can install a evaluation version. evaluation means you can if there is no uh, limitations in days or uh, or uh, the limitations in functionality you can download and install the um, linux as it is but uh, it's more focus uh more uh, towards util, uh, towards eval, uh, towards uh, the personal projects or some kind of smaller projects so that is what i could see when i checked the license it's uh, the red hat linux is um free is free to use for smaller projects even if it's an enterprise and also i think it it will be worth checking but uh, i believe so it's for uh, smaller poc projects and something uh, no you can still use it in an enterprise so that is what i saw when i read their documentation anyway for your personal laptop it is fine to install that and after installations you can you could see that you need to register the send uh, you need to provide your developer account credentials uh, at the registration area and that will uh, allow you to connect your Red Hat Linux that you installed on your laptop with the uh, developer account so that you will get the updates and out. I believe uh, there is no license cost or anything associated with that but still worth you can worth have a try and for other versions like fedora SendOS and centos stream it's absolutely free there is a, another on um, no license distribution which is evolved from red hat which is called the rocky os actually rocky os is created by the same f- founder who uh, created this uh, SendOS. so SendOS later he split up from that and now he formed a, another distribution called Rocky Linux that is also available to download for free and it's an enterprise lin- linux as well but license free distribution so anyone can feel free to install that and they can explore the linux so that's all about a general overview about linux now we will be looking into the uh, some of the core areas of Linux so that you can start exploring how uh, you can start working with Linux. Linux is a bit different from Windows. If you worked with Linux, or you are familiar with the way you working with Linux, you need to change your thinking a bit. In Linux, everything is based on a file system, every configuration, every permission, and even when even when you mount something, mount means even when you add an USB to the Linux system, it's actually kind of writing something to the file system. So understanding about the File system and how to manipulate that or main uh, modify that file system how to apply the changes and all is uh, crucial to understanding working with Linux if you understand the file system then it will be much easier for you as a developer to work with a Linux system nowadays the graphical interface distributions of Linux are very popular whenever you install the Linux you will be presented so uh, that I uh, but forgot to cover so we can start with uh, understanding how to install Linux so you can download a copy I mentioned you about downloading a Fedora or some other uh, whatever distributions you prefer to use if you are confused as to select which distribution if you are an uh, IT professional and who want to invest in learning then my personal feeling is like go for some uh, Red Hat based distributions like Fedora or SendOS or SendOS stream or this Rocky Linux as well. You can also do the uh, similar things in um, the Ubuntu or the Debian distributions as well. There is not that much of a change but the way by which the there are some differences out there and to align that with the an enterprise setting you can go with a Red Hat based distribution so whenever you want to install how you need to install we can look on that first you can install sideways along with your current operating system on your windows or linux or uh, windows or mac laptops it doesn't matter uh, you can install sideways but installing that way has a risk like if you accidentally do some mistake then it would affect the other operating system as well and also to keep the existing data and also to sidewise install Linux uh, there is a risk associated with there that you you should be a bit careful while installing that way otherwise it will affect the existing operating system like the Windows or Mac to avoid that problem uh, there is an easy way like you can download a virtual software virtualization software like on free version is called the oracle VirtualBox, which is available for free to download it's nearly 100 mb in size you can download and install what VirtualBox allows you to use to create a uh, virtual vm inside your laptop so that you can install multiple versions of linux that allows you to create a uh, virtual machine inside a laptop You need to have some amount of RAM in your system like uh, 16 GB is ideally recommended and also decent uh, space for installing that VM as well. Usually for a Linux distribution to install on Oracle VirtualBox, a minimum of 10 to 20 MB is enough. If you install some higher distributions like Oracle Linux or CentOS fully then you might need to have something like a 15 to 20 gb otherwise for minimal install i think 10 gb will be enough and also while installing in i'm not going to cover too much detail into how you install linux in a virtual box. it's pretty straightforward. virtual box can be downloaded from the Oracle website. it's available for free. you need to install that on your windows and once you install that the virtual box will be available from the start menu. you can open that and there is a button there. mostly all, Linux virtu- uh, all Oracle virtual box will be having that one. It's something similar to like a new virtual machine or create virtual machine. You can click on that. You need to provide the some basic details which, uh, it's, which are self-explanatory. Not much complex uh, about that. One thing you need to aware of is you need to have a distribution ISO which you need to download in advance before uh, starting this process. Also, you need to um have an understanding of how much ram memory uh, random access memory and also the storage space you uh, you need to provide and also how much cores of cpu you want to provide for example if you have an i5 or i7 you can dedicate i think for virtual box for a vm you can uh, dedicate something like a four cores and also ram i think believe it's nice to have something like a 4 to 6 GB of RAM. So these will be used, the, these cores and the RAM you provide will be used only uh, while the virtual m- machine is actually active or only when you actually use the virtual box these are going to consume otherwise it won't affect your existing memory and all. The storage will be um, used from the uh, from your existing hard disk so if you allocate 20 GB it will be gone to that uh, virtual box vm distribution you created so in that way you can create as many distributions as you like you can have an ubuntu distribution added as a vm inside your virtual box uh, similarly you can add multiple versions of linux red hat linux or whatever distributions you prefer you can install it then there is a slightly smaller compatibility issue with Linux uh, this virtual box I usually found uh, especially when installing the Red Hat distribution these days. Recently when I tried to install the Red Hat Linux 9 as well as the SendOS stream on the stable version of uh, VirtualBox, initially during the start time there occurred a kernel panel error. I googled a bit uh, but uh, many users are experiencing same. Maybe be related to some some of the Hyper-V or some other setting. I tried different ways but I couldn't figure out exactly what is causing the issue. So what I did then is like I uh, tried to download a recent, more recent beta version of virtual books and tried to install that and it went fine. Everything got success. Uh, this issue I mentioned is only with the very recent versions of Linux. For other distributions like the earlier SendoS and Fedora distributions, this won't be a problem. And also, it's happening only intermittently. So, might be some, something to do with VirtualBox. And if you have, um, um, if you're okay with paying some amount, then there is another software also called VMware Workstation, which also do the same. And also, there is a, a software called VMware Fusion, which also Allows. then the hyper-v uh, which is inbuilt with the windows if you turn windows features on and off and install the hyper-v uh, then uh, inside the hyper-v also you can install these th- different Linux distributions and it's so it's also a nice one but the problem with Hyper-V I felt is like sometimes the Linux is not able to identify the network properly and not able to connect. But in VirtualBox, I not experienced any of such issues. Otherwise, um, Hyper-V is fine. Hyper-V, sometimes I will be able to figure out the network and all for some distribution, but sometimes it's tough. Uh, it, you need to, uh, there is a default switch which uh, we can assign to the linux vm at the time of installing inside the hyper v but sometimes what it happens is like even when you do all these uh, legacy network adapter and all still the issue is there there are some fixes which will be available online but the thing i want to mention here is if you're having a short time and want to install these things then it will be worth to install that inside the virtual box and if experiencing any issues then uh, it will be worth to check out the um, google or related forums on what is actually happening behind the scenes in that way you need to install that and while installing on another important thing that you would be encountering is to select a root password this is must but uh, the recent versions of linux had made the root password not mandatory the reason for that is to do some major modifications in linux one need to have a root password Most of the users, Linux users doesn't need that so they made it explicit. While installing, make sure you provide a root password and you need to uncheck the lock root password area. Second thing is you need to enable the SSH option as well while installing for the root password. That allows you to connect from a remote terminal which we will learn later in this episode these things uh, you must need uh, care of and if you're installing on a, a, a virtual box or whatever software make sure after installing you remove the existing attached uh, iso image this iso image is used for installing the linux most iso images will be having nearly around 5 to uh, 8 gb of in size like uh, the sendos the Oracle Linux and all, Red Hat and all. There is an exception to Fedora, like it's like 1.5 GB only. So before installing the distribution in your virtual box, you need to have, have your ISO image for that distribution ready. And uh, it should be saved to your existing systems drive. And while you create a VM, new VM in VirtualBox, you need to provide that ISO image. In that way, let's imagine you installed Linux and all and you actually entered into Linux so you can see that graphical interface but graphical interface is fine. You can work most of the settings and all with graphical interfaces these days. You can navigate the files and all just like you are doing with Windows. For that to have while installing make sure you select the uh, graphic the server with the GUI so that this graphical interface will also be installed as part of that but keep in mind that Linux doesn't require a graphical interface at all and usually in production systems there won't be any graphical interface there so that's the reason why if you are investing time in learning Linux then it will be worth to have a familiarity with the commands and the way by which you can connect to the Linux using the command in command interface so it's similar to the windows command after installing the Linux what you can do is like you can click on the activities button which is similar to the start button in Windows and it will show the various options you can explore with Linux and that what we need for understanding this episode is just the terminal so you can click on that terminal it will open a command prompt here you are actually interacting with the linux especially through the shell and you are providing commands and this shell interprets these and transfers uh, to the underlying hardware and all and they make this change and uh, as we discussed earlier linux is a file based system so to have an understanding about the file system Is uh, you need to have an understanding only then you will be able to make changes. Basically we interact with the command to to the shell to make these changes, modifications or additions or uh, something in the file system so you need to have a good understanding of the different file system commands and all to uh, effectively work from a programmatic point of view. For graphical interface you don't need that kind of thing you can just click there and you can work it. So if you want to browse something using a distribution of Linux you don't need this kind inter- a terminal at all. So terminal is required when you are want to programmatically interact with the Linux and to do advanced server management scenarios. We will uh, we will uh, discuss about the different server management scenarios a bit later. First we we can familiar with the Linux uh, file structure. So Linux file structure is actually standardized, whether you are used a Debian version or a Red Hat based version you can make sure that everywhere it will be like the same. Mainly the standardized file structure will be same in all the versions of Linux. There will be some additional folders or additional directories that will be available for some distribution that is Uh, customized to that distribution otherwise the main file system uh, and the uh, file system structure and directories will be same for all the Linux so let's explore the Linux directory structure in more detail I will quickly go through uh, some of the basic directories and what they are meant for each directory will be having a purpose you can Search the same in Google and can learn more about that if you are not familiar with that. So there is a, there is a set of common top level directory that are associated with the root directory. So the root directory is actually the, uh, the uh, higher parent directory in Linux. And from root, it starts all the different other directories. So from root, all the different other directories. So inside the root directory, there is a library called bin which contains the binary or executable programs. This is similar to exe in windows. If you have a windows software installed, you often find that installations inside C program files. So similar to that is here the bin. It contains the binary or executable program. Then there is an etc folder slash etc which contains the system configuration files in Linux. Then slash home is the home directory or the current default directory which is associated with the user you are logged in as. While creating Linux, while installing a Linux distribution some Linux prefer to have a mandatory root password and one more user. So you can imagine this home directory is meant for that user. In some time, in some distributions, the root and the system admins are almost same way. So the system assist, admin will be having that root directory. If you have multiple users in a Linux system, then each one will be having a, a separate home directory. So, uh, the, so that's the current default directory. Then, there is a, a folder called slash opt, which is an optional directory or third party software installations can be found in that there. Then, slash tmp is another, which is actually a temporary space. So, you can try it for doing some kind of, uh, a research and development something you want to explore on you can try it all inside temp or if you want to do some manipulations on file temporarily and you will be writing the final output to somewhere else so whatever you did inside the tmb is no longer required so that is that can be cons- that can be cleared on reboot so that is um, uh, the tmb directory or the temporary space then there is a user related program called a slash user and also the different programs that are working inside Linux will be writing the log messages which can be fi- found inside the slash var directory. So an example is like if there is a software say for example scute and if it's installed you can find the scute related log files inside the slash var directory and also linux related any other software's messages can be found inside the uh, var directory then these are the main directories which we discussed then there are some kind of other directories as well just for the sake of clarity i will be explaining that as well then slash boot is another on directory which contains the boot related information and files. Then the slash dev is the location of the device files which contains the your, uh, hard disk informations. So the Linux must be installed on a hard disk and those informations will be found in the slash dev. So it's the device files then, slash lib contains the kernel modules and the shared libraries which are, which are used by Linux. Then, slash media contains zip directories where removal media devices are inserted. Then, mnt that is another directory which, uh, which contains temporary mount directories for mounting the file system. So, if you attach a external hard drive or something, uh, slash mnt slash is where you will be mounting the file system. Then in addition to that, there are other, uh, some of the other directories as well. So, <coughs> there is a entire page covering the full list of directory file structure but having an understanding of the main file structure in the Linux will be enough for you to get started. You can always refer the Linux pages which are available for your distributions and you can understand even though it's like uh, standardized and all the Linux distributions have the same file structure still for the sake of proper understanding then it will be worth to check out the the distribution documentation as well now we will be looking into having some familiar i hope you got some understanding of the linux file structure basically some of the main files which we you will be files uh, folders or directories you will be working on is like a slash root and um, actually the home the where etc and these all are the different areas you will be mostly working on while working on Linux you must be uh, moving files or creating files or manipulating files and all those you can be done inside the TMB folder And later on you verify that you can move it to a different location or also you can check out the on the etc folders as well so this way you can explore all the different commands and understand how it works but uh, each folder and its associated file has a significant because Linux is a file based system so everything is stored there and uh, written inside there so so uh, let's start with how to create a new file in Linux. If you are familiar with Windows, how you create a new file is right click and create a new file. So there is an option. But we are preferring to work in Linux with a graphical, uh, with a command line kind of interface. So here we, you can use different other ways. Like one such command is called touch. So if you type touch in the terminal, A terminal can be opened from the activities and if you type touch from the terminal and followed by a name then that will be created. So similar to the way by which windows command is working you will be initially inside a directory. So you will be in the root and you can navigate to whatever directory you like with the cd command. So if you want to go inside cd slash etc then you can provide like that cd. Uh, slash etc and, and click uh, and enter and that will make you uh, make your control inside the etc directory and if you want to create a file inside there you can use the touch command to create a file so the thing is most of the Linux commands you need to uh, you know, have different different options so how would you get track of all these things is a question One of the suggested ways is like to use the MAN pages. MAN is a inbuilt documentation available with your Linux distribution. The advantage of going through a MAN page and understand these different commands is that you will get an accurate picture of the exact command that your distribution supports. Some of the commands varies according to distribution and also with the version so if you try to search that in Google you need to provide the context of that uh, distribution you are working on only then you will be getting the accurate answer otherwise maybe the answers from something like stack flow and all that are generic answers may not be fit within your context so you need to provide that context while searching like which distribution you are using similar way you can uh, one of the safe way is to use the man documentation it looks like a kind of a text document with a different structure and all so if you open that man for say for example in the terminal type man followed by some command say for example ls is a command for listing the file so if you type man space ls that will open the man page or man documentation for Uh, ls command and it shows the different options out there and there is a way you need to understand about how to read these documentation file from the man pages especially there is a numbering associated with there so initially when you open you can view a number like a man of 1 which me or if you type man space ls so you can on the top side you can uh, view like ls of 1 which indicates that these are the main uh, area so each number denotes a specific purpose so if you go for something like um, um, if you go for something like a uh, um, uh, configuration or something you need to understand you 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 should go for uh, some other number so each number serves a different purpose so some of the main uh, numbers that you can find in the documentation are one and eight uh, which 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 can be used for uh, mainly the uh, file manipulation or command uh, related where you are actually providing something to the system and that way um, uh, you can make certain that these are the relevant areas. And also um, the, uh, the uh, some of the commands we can now discuss like the cd command which we just discussed is used to change the directory. So if you want to go inside some other directory, you can use uh, the cd command to change the directory. Then what about if you want to create a new directory inside etc.? So, in that case, you can use the make directory commands. So, this way you can create the different directories or folders inside your Linux system by relying on three major commands like the cd. Cd is for changing the directory. So, you can switch forward and backwards as well. So, if you are inside a directory and if you want to go reverse or the, or the root of the directory, you can type something like a cd space dot dot. That will shift to one level back. Similarly, if you want to go inside a particular directory, you can provide the relative path and also you can provide the absolute path as well. That way, you can go inside a directory. Similarly, to create a new directory inside a inside wherever you are standing on. Imagine if, you're st- if you are on if you are on a etc directory then you can create a new directory by using the make directory command and also this uh, remove directory or rmdir command can use to empty a directory Uh, uh, not empty sorry deletes to remove a directory you can use rmdir but you can't remove a directory if there is contents inside there for that you need to provide a flag Flag means additional options that you can provide to the Linux command. So all the information about what all additional flags or commands that you can provide to Linux that are all available in the man pages. You can also check out the internet. So that is also another option. But make sure the distribution context and all you provided so that you will get an absolute uh, answer for that. Then the... Uh, absolute and relative path you can provide while using the directory change and all and also you can provide that for referring to the files as well so an absolute path means it contains the full name from the root directory to the file so imagine for example if you want to navigate inside a messages folder inside the bar you can provide something like slash bar slash log slash messages also um. A relative path is actually what it means is, imagine you are there within a directory and you want to access a file. So you provide a relative path with respect to that directory where you are actually standing on. Also, you can go to a relative path up towards forwards and backwards as well. If you are in a directory and if you want to access a file that is one level up to the Uh, on level before that directory then you can use the dot um, dot dot slash to indicate it goes on level up so dot dot is the command followed by the slash which means it's actually on level on directory up so that means it's going a kind of a reverse way directory uh, one level up to the directory where you are standing and you can go forward as well like something like um, with the slash and the current file but uh, providing that with inside the actually whenever you write a script or something script means you can write batch scripts and if you want to do some file manipulation or if you provide some commands uh, these relative path the Uh, the characteristics is like um, It actually depends on where you are currently in so the executor of that path should be in the proper location So this will create some problems especially if you are sharing some command to someone else and if they are somewhere else then the command may not work as expected because the path will change if you provide a relative path they, uh, you need to make sure that they are in the either in the exact path or to avoid confusion you can provide the absolute path so absolute path as we discussed earlier it actually means the uh, full directory path from the root directory so it explicitly says actually from the root level directory to wherever we want to access a file it can provide say for example if you want to create something a new directory inside uh, a a, a interested area in, in the in the Linux file structure then the providing the absolute path Followed by that make directory command is what you need to avoid the confusion. Except otherwise, if you provide some relative path, you uh, you are not sure whether the executor will be executing that from. So that is one thing. Then there is another command for um, uh, which we can explore now, which is called, which is another only useful command, which will be helpful whenever you are working with linux that is the move command it's similar to moving a command just like the copy and paste in windows you can do that with the help of a graphical interface in linux you don't need move command at all you can simply right click and paste it somewhere else but in most of the cases in production systems you need to have familiarity with this uh, command as well the reason for that is you will be having only access to a terminal something like a command and you need to do all these things so there you can't cut and copy cut copy or paste what you can only do is you can provide some commands to the shell so one such command is called the move command the MV command you can search for MV it's actually move a file if you want to move a file from for example from slash etc to slash var or somewhere else or to a new area then you can use the mv command. So you need to provide the source and destination and it will be moved accordingly then it's also used to rename a file as well if you want to change a file name then mv command can be useful for that purpose Then in most of the case, when whenever I worked with Linux or uh, whatever operating system, sometimes if you create some files and if you want to make, uh, if you want to delete that file or removing that file, then you need to familiar with that command as well. If you have an empty directory in Linux, you can easily remove that with rm directory option. Then. There is another command called arm command or remove command which is used to remove files as well as the directories with context. So this is a risky operation. Uh, So while if you are sure that you don't need such files and directories then you can provide the arm command. Um, this RM command will be having sub-flags, uh, sub-options like something like you can provide like uh, RM-I. What it will do is, if you provide RM-I and a directory, then it will ask a confirmation for all the files which you are going to delete. So, before it deletes each file, it will ask a confirmation like, do you want to delete this file? so that will be okay if the file list are not that much in number but if it's a, a long list of files there within the directory it's a uh, it's actually annoying then rm -f is another command which which won't ask anything and it will simply remove then rm -rf is another command which will remove an entire directory tree without asking any confirmation at all and also there are different other commands as well you can check out the man page for more details so we understood now how we can work on the directories and also the files inside there Uh, whatever we need to do inside a file using the command prompt we will discuss later when we discuss about the uh, editors and how to work with that editors. So before that, uh, we can focus on the overall manipulations with the files. We are not going now inside inside the files, what we can do with the files, but we are just focusing on moving the files, creating the files, removing the files. So another one use case is like when we have a lot of files in our system, we need, in our Linux system, we need to find uh, where exactly a file is. So find command is useful in that case. So you can search for man space find and it will show the documentation of all the different usages that you can have with the find command. While I say man, it's like more Linux oriented way documentation I am mentioning you so that you will get an accurate view, but sometimes man will be a bit confusing um, because it's, it needs you to read everything and understand it's in the proper way. Uh, so if you are uh, um, having an expertise reading man pages and understand that, that will be definitely helpful. Then if you are not familiar with that and still confused, you can search for other options in Google as well. So, in these days of Google and other search engine, uh, there are there are better ways than man, provided if you look on the correct area and correct context. Otherwise, it will uh, take some time to exactly figure out what's happening behind the scene. This, then this find command is a very deep command which has many layers of options which you can provide the different levels of usages. Basically it's used to find a file. So the syntax will be s- s- uh, easy in that case if you just want to file a f- file. So you can find a file by its name. So the command will be something like find space a slash forward slash followed by a, uh, a minus symbol and then the name followed by the name of the file you want to find something like for example if you want to find a file something like a message then you need to provide that inside quotes then oh, you can have this wildcard characters as well within this find command so that if you want to search for something that starts with ms then you can provide ms star similarly if you are if you want to find out the files which consume space then you can provide the size command as well followed by the size you want to um return uh, size of the files you want to return so uh, find command will search for that files inside your linux file system and return the list of files that are uh, that are specified by the size you mentioned in the command so the command will be like find space forward slash then uh, minus size then the size something like 1 gb or 2 gb or something like that then this find command is like i said it's very advanced command it can also used in an advanced mode now we what we did is like we used find to find a user uh, sorry find a file by its name or a name with a combination of wild character or you can also use a size as well so there are some other cases like once you find some files then you want to move it to some other area or want to do some manipulation in that case you can uh, campaign uh, the output of the results using the opening and closing brackets uh, and output and that then uh, the output can be applied for copying For example, if you want to find a list of files that are over 10 GB size inside a directory, then you can find it from there and you can then either remove it or if you want to copy it to some other area, you can do that using a single command. So these are the advanced use cases of file. And also you you can find it by the permission as well. Then... uh, Regarding the shell commands, one thing you can uh, take advantage of is like you can provide multiple commands separated by semicolon That is another you don't need to provide one command then enter it and then another command If you want to execute a similar commands at same time you can uh, Separate it by semicolon and that way you can install then the find, it would be worth for you to check out the find command in more detail because that will be helpful whenever you are working with Linux. Usually uh, Linux is a file based system and most of the cases you will be dealing with a lot of files, especially in production environments where you need to inspect the um, different kinds of files what's messages inside there so in that case it will be a challenge for you especially if you don't have something like a windows explorer or file explorer which are available there from the graphical uh, distributed option and if it's not there enabled for your production and you, you, you imagine you only have a terminal to access that Linux environment then uh, what you can do is use this find like commands and understanding and how to use those commands and its advanced usages like uh, how to get details from there which with the file find command and then how to pipe it to other and do some of the manipulations you can do with the file then that will be understanding those things will be helpful for Uh, effective working with Linux so that is one thing you need to make uh, care of so far we have understood the ways by which uh, we can find the files with find command and it's useful with the find command it entirely looks the file system which sometimes takes some time to avoid that some other alternative Commands have evolved and that is one is called the locate. Locate can be used to find uh, a file, but it works in a way by which it's actually index the where the file is and then reads the information from an DB called update DB. So because of this, whenever you create a new file, and if you search for that file, you, it may not be in that, it may not be uh, available with the locate command, uh, because you need to update the DB as a prerequisite for locating the file. So yeah, if you are created a file, you can use locate to find the file, and if it's not listing there, you need to update using the update db command and then try looking on the file using the locate command which will be accessed from there. So it's like um, it's useful uh, for uh, historic files but for new files uh, need to run the update db in advance. Then there is another thing which you need to aware of and that is called the tar or the uh, archiver. So imagine if you have a directory and a set of files inside there and you, if you want to transfer that to a different area, then you can use the tar with the compression. Usually tar and compression are two different things. Tar means actually packaging, it's just like packaging the three files and moving it to something like a for uh, a stu- uh, something like a dot tar and you can move that to different other area so this will be beneficial if you have say for example you create a set of 1000 files with the touch command so the touch command is used to create a file and whenever you provide a touch command you can have the provision to provide the ranges as well so the command will be like, if you want to create around thousand files, then uh, starting with a file n- name convention, then it will be like touch followed by space and then uh, the name of the file name convention you want initially. If it's a start, it should be started with the file, then you can provide file, then a, um, opening bracket and then you can provide one, two, Thousand and then you can close that bracket the exact usage of this will be difficult to explain through this podcast but what you can do instead is through a search you can understand how a range can be used with the touch command which will give you the exact description of how it will looks like and you can provide that in the command and it will immediately create around thousand files so, that thousand files are there and if you want to move that inside somewhere else, uh, so packaging that will be helpful and for packaging that you can use the tar command. So, it's actually uh, can be used for archiving or uh, uh, packaging. Uh, we can also call it as a... Um, archiver and then along with archiver if you provide some options there it can also used for compressing as well and you can uh, then make a package file out of it and usually uh, to explicitly making the extension with something like tar will be beneficial because a end user can understand okay this is a package of a set of files and for compression you can add different flags like a there is a flag called minus Z which can be added and also minus j or capital j can be provided so these are different kinds of compression utilities which can be used so this minus uh, this minus zstd is the uh, default gzip and which is the most common compression u- utility which is very fast and uh, it will easily compress a set of files and package it so compression and packages are different but compression can be applied with the packaging so for that you need to provide the flag like a minus iset so that is one option and which will be compressed using gzip and after that more compression the better the compression is the more time it will take to compress because the algorithm needs to apply there and second uh, compression utility that came out after the GZIP is BZIP2 which is an alternative utility also the XCP is another new utility which will provide three times the compression you can check out the tar command with the compression for a set of files and you can evaluate how the compression will be looking like and that way you can understand which compression you want to choose. So the higher the compression, the more time it will take. Okay, so far we are evaluating the different commands which we can access from a command prompt terminal. Now let's think of an external device that is attached to your server and you need to find out parts there inside that device let's say it's a external hard disk and it's attached to as external SSD disk uh, which is attached to your server system and you, you are from a different location and you have only terminal access to that system how we can connect to the terminal access to the server system we can discuss a bit later but now for the moment you understand that just like you opened a terminal in the Linux distribution you have a terminal here but the Linux server is situated in somewhere else and you got an information like a um, external SSD disk is attached there and you need to copy the files from there to your Uh, server folder uh, and to do some manipulation so how you will be doing so in that case uh, you can use the mount command to mount the um, mount any. you can also use a command called lsblk which lists all the different devices that are attached and also there is a command called find mount which uh, find mnt it's actually to find the mounts that are attached. So, FIND mount. So, you can, uh, 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 you can check for that and can see the, all the different mounted devices. And if it's not mounted, then you can mount using a mount command. Most of the dil- uh, Linux distributions will auto mount whenever you attach something. So, that would be helpful. And you just need to evaluate that using the LSBLK command okay we um, understood about uh, how to copy files delete files remove files and also mounting files from a external disk and how to copy it Uh, so far we understood all these things Then, uh, so if you attach something um, external uh, to the uh, external hard disk or something to your server and you, you imagine you have a set of files so what you do is like you use a copy command or uh, mv command to move all the contents inside that um, folder to a different location maybe inside your home directory that same like what we do in windows cut copy and paste but here we need to have some familiarity about the commands as well because we may not be in a uh, situation to do with a graphical user interface and initially you might thought like this a bit occurred because we are having graphical interface and why we are going for this kind of system but that is the way by which linux is originally designed to it has more powerful features with command so in linux everything is a file Uh, base system and if you are a root user that means there is no question of permissions at all you root have the entire permission so that means you can do whatever you like in linux provided if you have the root permission other users, uh, whatever they can do they can that should be defined with the permissions so you need to familiar with the different permissions a file has and all So only then that user can do something with that file. So in this way, the combinations of root and these different file permissions and all makes the Linux system very powerful. It's something like uh, you can customize the behavior as you can. So that's the reason why um, even though command feels like a bit awkward, then still it's like uh, beneficial for an experienced programmer. Then, uh, so far we have understood the ways by which we can man, we can move the files and we have to work around the files. But what happens if you want to work inside file, if you want to alter some of the file? Given that Linux is a file-based system, uh, altering the file can have its uh, different impact as well. If you alter something like a, uh, say for example, a configuration file it will have that configuration changes in effect similar way different other uh, ways you can provide And if you want to create something like a new file that also you can do Uh, you can add contents and all similar to the way like you move a file and remove delete a file so for that uh, there is a text editor available um, and for most of the linux installations, distributions, nano is on editor that is available for default so if you have a file created say for example touch followed by a file name like a file1, sample file dot or txt or something and if you want to write something inside there then you can type the command nano followed by that file name which will open the file in the nano editor nano editor is pretty uh, it's a text based editor but it's a symbol to understand which can be readable from your command interface so the way by which these design, these uh, editors are designed it uh, it's uh, it's like to fit within a uh, text based uh, it's like to fit within a command based interface so you can connect from a putty or a ssh terminal uh, and you can um, work on these editor. so that if you open that nano you can understand how it how to um, insert a new line how to save everything is explicitly mentioned there and you need to provide commands as well you can't use mouse and do something there like as you do in a word or a notepad you need to use the commands so similar way there is another on powerful command is there called the vim or vi on some systems like ubuntu you need to install vim uh, explicitly because ubuntu mainly focused on nano editor because it's the most easiest editor that everyone can use even though it's a text based editor still uh, many of the users will be familiar with it because it's simple. VA on the other hand, it's like a command-based uh, editor. So one should have some amount of familiarity working with that. There are a lot of um, online resources that are available which shows how to use a v, VIM or VA editor. Let's take the same example as we discussed earlier. If you have a something like a file, uh, file 1 with an empty content inside there. Similar like what we did with the nano, we, we can use the Vim as well. So, here instead of um, uh, nano, you need to type something like a Vim or VI followed, followed by that uh, file. So, it will open the Vim in command mode. So, initially, when you open, you can see the file um because we created a file with a touch it will be initially empty so nothing will be there but uh, anyway vim will open that in the um in the vim editor it's also a text based editor so you don't have the provision to use anything at all uh, in addition to that it adds complexity like you need to provide some commands but the thing is like it provides some advanced features like more powerful than that of nano so that's the reason why uh, uh, those who are interested in linux and to get the most uh, uh, benefit out of linux should learn how to use vi at all now we are in vim and the there is a blank file which we can see from our uh, command terminal to insert something you need to go to insert mode so how you can go to insert mode is simply click on i or o that will uh, make you uh, your text editor ready to accept input so then you can type whatever way whatever you like say for example hello how are you or something or whatever you want to write inside or if it is a configuration then you need to provide inform- uh, provide the text like that um, then uh, once everything is done then uh, next what we want to do is we need to save the uh, that file again because we made some changes right? to make those changes you need to go again back to the command mode so remember initially when we opened that vim editor we are actually in a kind of a um, a command mode where we provided the i or o to accept the inputs from the keyboard like we can type something like we typed something next once we typed everything then we are now ready to save that file for that we need to again go back to the command mode so for that we can use the escape key so simply click on the escape key it will again prompt you to enter the command so there you can provide something like a uh, 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 colon wq and uh, followed by a uh, exclamation mark so it's a command to the vi terminal that just write these changes I have made then quit the VA and don't complain. Similar way if you look in I am not going too much detail into understanding the VA uh, but there are lot of options like you can do undo, redo, delete the line so lot of other things are there and in addition to same like we discussed earlier there is a command called vim tutor and if you type that on the terminal v-i-m-t-u-t-o-r if you type that on the terminal it will uh, show an extensive documentation and documentation on vim on how to use so there are some of the useful commands you can use like one is like quit without saving so for do to do that once you write something using the insert mode and then you uh, click escape and then you uh, provide the command like colon q and then the exclamation mark it's like it like, uh, just save the file and don't complain anything similar way there you can um, you can uh, search a text that's another interesting so for that you need to um, Uh, click on the escape once you are in the insert mode and then you can provide something like a slash text so it's search for the exact text so if you type something like a slash uh, followed by something like entertainment or something then it will show that line there and if you want to um, find whatever that is there inside the file you can simply put a forward slash and then search for the text then gg is another command small letter gg it moves cursor through the top of the document as well as a capital G will move the cursor down similarly uh, the forward backward and all will be associated with the different commands so back in the olden days when linux evolved there were no arrow keys and alls so that's the reason why different commands are provided to do a simple editing here so if you think of it with a windows based editor like a notepad uh, it's entirely different but here the main thing is like you can edit so another thing which usually the those who are working with the linux do is like they will be using something like SSH or a, a kind of a terminal to interact with a Linux server, download the file from there using a utility called WinSCP. It's a utility which is available for free, so you can install on your Windows system and you can connect to your Linux terminal with the IP address and you can navigate the file system and you can copy it to your windows system then in windows system you can have rich editors like the notepad where you can make the changes using the graphical interface but the thing is like if you understand the VI properly there will be lot of benefits like you can have inbuilt searches and advanced functionalities within that editor itself so that will be much faster you don't need to whenever you use a mouse and uh, copy the file to windows system it takes a lot of time so if you're comfortable with working inside the uh, editor itself then that would be much helpful then There is another few utilities also that can be helpful when working with these text file contents like more and less. So more is the original file pager. It's like just imagine like if there is a big file and if you want to read only a particular portion there, then more can be helpful. So it's just like a kind of a pagination way. Initially show some content and if you type on space, it will show other content. So similar way less pass also there so nowadays um, less is the recent advancement the recent update they have made so you can always use less for uh, viewing a particular portion of your page and also there is a um, uh, command for real-time monitoring which can be used with the tail command Real time monitoring is useful whenever you want to watch a log file and you want to see whenever, when some events are happening, what changes are happening inside that message file. So for that, tail can be useful. Tail uh, followed by that file absolute path will be useful for you to understand. A tail, uh, the exact command will be like this. Tail space minus F followed by that, um, Uh, file will give you an exact picture of what's happening accurately there and it will display as it is like Then cat command is another command. So lot of commands are there. I am only providing some of the commands which for your familiarity. Cat command is another command which can be used to find the contents inside and Cat has some additional options which can you can provide sometimes uh, it may not uh, we may not display all things in a proper way so in that case you can use cat minus a which shows all the non-printable characters as well non-printable character you can think of it's like if you type hello followed by a space and then something else then that space is a different character so non-printable characters is also displays using the cat provided if you provide the minus a command then uh, you can provide additional options as well like uh, if you want to view the numbers then you can provide the minus b then we are going to now discuss about a very powerful utility which is called the grep utility which is there within the linux this is especially useful if you want to find a file and then you can find that file pipe to somewhere else and then you can uh, grep with that file so common uh, use cases of grep is like it's one of the most important tools in linux which searches all files Uh, uh, then another case is like if you want to uh, find all the process and if you want to filter some particular process then you can do grep and also for advanced use cases, regular expressions can also be used to match patterns with grep. So grep is actually a very uh, u- useful utility which is used for t- search test text strings or regular expressions in files. Uh, which can also be used with the pipe command as well. Then when I mention some of the commands here, Linux wants you to explicitly mention the sudo command for some of the uh, commands that you need to run as a root user. So Linux is a file based system but it's designed in such a way that only the permiss only the uh, those users who have permission are allowed to do certain things so imagine if you are a user who don't have that permission um, but you want to do some operation then you can elevate that using the sudo option so the command will be like if you are removing a file and if you don't have permission to remove that file uh, then you can prepend um, that command with uh, prefix that command with uh, the sudo command so sudo followed by that command will prompt you to enter the root password so uh, it's just like a temporary providing a a permission to do a command which is uh, which requires root user permission or the super user so the root user is the super user uh, of linux who has the full permission to whatever they like and the linux is designed in such a way that uh, whenever you um, uh, create you, uh, a distribution you should have a root password and you should keep that uh, securely and for other normal operation you don't use root at all that's a dangerous practice because with root uh, things can uh, some wrong things can uh, if you do some wrong things and uh, if, if it uh, disturbs the system then it will entirely make the system unusable especially in a production environments To avoid that it's always recommended to create a root account but keep it confidentially and only use it whenever it's required so either you can do uh, login as a root user and do things but a better preferable solution will be to create a user and then do the rest of the things and whenever a higher elevated permission is required you can use the sudo command followed by that uh, whatever command you are using then it will prompt for a root password you can provide that and then that way it will um, it will um, allow you to do that action you can configure the sudo as well by default whenever you ins- the user who is installing the system will have the access and to the sudo command sudo command is defined in a file called slash etc slash sudo s to edit that file you can type the vi sudo command so the command is vi sudo there is no space in between it will open the sudo s configuration file so there you can alter some of the things like if you want to don't provide password every 4 hours. You can alter the time as you like. So this way uh, different options uh, are there. Which you can alter with the sudo configuration file. So try to have a uh, search uh, research on that. And you can provide various other options as well. Like if you want to in the sudo configuration file. You can allow certain users to do only a particular thing. And not other. So that options are also there. Uh, so that's uh, that's by editing the SotoOS configuration file. So far now we have understood some of the different commands. This will be enough for you to get started. But keep in mind there are more commands which you can refer through man pages. The way by which whenever you want to do something in Linux, the ideal way is to find something using the man command and then or do some other way like uh, search something uh, in google and uh, try to find something that is related to your distribution and then, uh, then use that command and have a familiarity with that some of the commands supports pipe like the find command and also the grep command which is very useful utility so the way or by which how to apply these in action is what you need to do, which you uh, get from experience. Second thing is like the, once you are familiar with these commands, which you will be working on within the terminal, uh, keep in mind that you can operate these commands from a different location as well, from another area. So for that to work, you use a way called a secure shell. So the way by which you will be working on with this is like uh, you install the open SSH server. Some of the Linux distributions while installing have provision to allow root user to connect to the uh, server through with the SSH channel. In that case you can tick it. Otherwise what you can do is like uh, you can install an open SSH server. So the command is something like in Red Hat, it will be like Red Hat distributions. It will be like a sudo space dnf space uh, installed space open SSH server. Also, you need to uh, enable uh, enable the system ctl with a command like a sudo space system ctl space enable um, minus minus now space SSHD. So, once you enable this, it's actually enabling the S- uh, secure sh- shell HD service, SSHD service. Uh, so, actually, it's uh, the step which I just mentioned is actually installing and enabling the SSHD. So, once you enable that, the next you can do is you install a SSH client on your client machine. Whether it's a Linux or Mac or Windows, different versions of uh, different types of softwares are available that can be used to connect. On the Linux, if you are using a client system, also if that is Linux, then there is no need to install anything because inbuilt support is there within the Linux. Or Windows or Mac OS, you need to install something like a RemoteNG or uh, PuTTY or something like that. Also, there is a uh, software called SCP, which is also useful if you want to transfer files from Windows to or other operating system to Linux server and uh, to work on that. So, PuTTY or RemoteNG or SCP, these are the combinations which you can use. Now, let's understand a bit about the shell as well. Before we winding up this episode, we will be coming up an advanced uh, session on Linux which features on how to manipulate the networking, the other files, uh, other different areas in a later episode. So, as the time is getting over, we will wrap up our episode with understanding about the shell. So, actually, shell is kind of, uh, shell is the interface by which we are actually interacting with the um, Linux. So underneath the shell, there is a area called the uh, G library, which is the libraries which are actually uh, uh, conducting with the kernel space. So Linux kernel is the core. So that is the main area. But we cannot directly interact with the kernel uh, through the shell where shell interacts with the g libraries and then the g libraries will be interacting to the kernel so that way our commands whatever commands we have learned that all are executing through the shell and from there it will be uh, going to the kernel but some of the other uh, services don't need to go through the shell so for them there is a different uh, utility called the system t so these services are actually using the system D, which directly contacts the G library and then to the kernel. So whether our command or the services they are both going through a different path. Our commands are basically going through the shell, which acts kind of a user interface where we will be able to provide the command. But the same case uh, can provide with the services are going through the systemd commands and then Uh, it's actually going through the g library and then to the uh, kernel so uh, and uh, so uh, that's the way by which it's working so one more uh, important command which we will uh, think about before winding up is all the commands which we will be checking out in our terminal will be available from the history as well so history uh, are all the commands which the user types actually writing at the same time to the bash underscore history file as well so by typing the history command in the terminal we will get access to all that commands which we typed and this will be helpful if you want to if you forget something and if you want to find out something from there you can find it through that way so once you open the history you can get an entire list of commands so if you tried too much commands you will get an entire list of commands so how to search for a particular thing so what you can do is you can type uh, press the Control minus r so it's kind of a reverse search Control r not minus r Control r it do actually a kind of a reverse searching, where you can, uh, it will, uh, immediately on uh, pressing the control R combination, it will, the, the history, af- after the re- history command, you, initially you need to provide the history command. It will install the different commands, different commands you have tried out. And if you want to search for something particular there, you can the press the control R and it will open a command to enter the keyword you want to search for. Uh, So, that will be something, the start of the command you are interested in and if you click that, it will show the excite command from the history area. So, that way you can, uh, if you forget something uh, and if you want to try out, you can uh, check that way. So, that's all about the, some of the basic understanding of Linux. Thank you very much for listening this episode. And we will come back with another phone. So keep uh, subscribing my YouTube channel and meetup group for learning more if you are interested to learn from me. And thank you. Uh, Thank you once again. Have a great day ahead.